You are listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast. So today I want to return to our message on words in due season. And I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of prophecy that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But before we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, grab your Bible as I pray, and then we're going to jump right into Micah 6, 8. So hold your finger in 1 Corinthians 14 and turn to Micah 6, 8. We're going to do some Bible hopping today. I have a number of verses that we're going to go to, so be prepared to flip quickly in your Bible as we read today. Father God, I thank you that before there was ever an earth or people on the earth, you had a plan. And that plan included prophecy. That plan included Jesus coming to die on a cross. That plan included sending the Holy Spirit to be the mediator of this new covenant that we enjoy. This covenant of grace, which is unmerited and unearned favor with you. It is the blessing of being your child and coming into that by no work of our own, but only because we have faith to believe that what you did was real and who you are is true and what you promised will be kept. And so God, today we just commit this time and this word to you and we ask you to speak through the message today that everyone within the sound of my voice would be built up, encouraged, comforted by these words. In Jesus' name. Amen. So in Micah 6 and verse 8, it says in the New King James Version, and I'm going to tweak it just a little bit, but here's what it says in the New King James Version. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So what does the Lord require of you? Question mark. To do justly. In some translations, it says to do justice to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I'd like to offer to you today that the key to walking humbly with God is to have a right estimation of ourselves. And the way we have a right estimation of ourselves is to do justice in our own heart and love mercy towards other people. What does that have to do with 1 Corinthians chapter 14? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, remember we read just the other day, to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Remember those spiritual gifts that he's talking about in this context are given to each one for the profit of all. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and it's all one spirit. Desire spiritual gifts. He writes in Romans 12 of some other gifts, intercession, administration, hospitality, service. There's more gifts than what is identified here. He also talks about the gift of teaching and prophecy and evangelism. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, he's not talking to one person at the church in Corinth. He has written this letter to the body at Corinth. So this means that it is to the individual believer. 
that you may prophesy for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So what we can perceive is happening is that they have these meetings and everybody is, is operating in different gifts, right? And everybody values their own gift. And he's just spent a lot of time in first Corinthians chapter 12 saying, this is not a selfish thing. This is not a thing you do to be seen or to boast about yourself. This is a thing you do to profit everybody in the body. And if everybody doesn't profit, then it's of no use. And he's about to go into, after we get through the purpose of prophecy, what, how to do it in order. Okay? And so here's what he says about it. He does not speak to men, but to God. So when we speak in a tongue, that's why a prayer language is considered to be something between you and God. When we speak in a tongue, it speaks to God, unless there is someone there who can interpret what you said in that tongue. And then it becomes edifying to the whole body. But when this context, what was happening in Corinth, everybody was stirred up in the gifts, and they were all exercising them at the same time, and it was creating confusion, and it lacked order. He speaks to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he is speaking mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So let's look at these words, edification, exhortation, and comfort. The first word, edification. In the Greek, that word literally means to build up. Now, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, to that word, to do everything in love. If I, if I, if I have the gift, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am nothing. If I can speak prophecy and discern all mystery, but have not love, I am nothing. And then he gives us a definition of love. But love in, in the Greek is agapeo. And agapeo indicates one, love is a person. The fullness of who God is, is expressed through love. This kind of love is an unselfish love that has regard for others. It is goodwill, benevolence, affection. It, it has this connotation of family, of a brotherly love. It sacrifices itself so others can be free. It provides abundantly rather than sparingly. It literally means to love, have affection, regard for, goodwill or benevolence toward. With reference to God's love, it's God's willful direction towards men, and it involves God doing what he knows is best for the individual, not necessarily what the individual desires. And I get this from the Complete Word Study New Testament Dictionary. And so what is this quality of love? Well, he goes on and defines it. It's kind. It's not nice. Do you get that? It's kind. Nice is, I'm going to be polite to you even if I don't like you. Kind is, I'm going to be genuinely affectionate towards you and act on your behalf. That's kindness. It does not envy. It's not jealous. It's patient or long-suffering. I suffer on behalf of others. And I may suffer long. I'll be patient with others. Be patient toward others. I will not envy others. I will not be jealous of others. It is not easily angered or offended. Get that. It's not easily angered or offended. You see, anger and offense are walk hand in hand. And the key to resolving both is forgiveness, which Jesus appropriated to us on the cross through grace. So if I'm going to walk in a quality of God's love, I have to walk in a quality of his 
unmerited, unearned grace towards other people. So I don't extend the grace that comes from my ability to forgive them. I extend the grace that has been afforded to me to forgive me to them. Hear that? And in that way, I can choose not to be offensive. So I'm not going to speak my judgment against them. I'm going to speak grace toward them. It is not proud or boastful. It's not haughty, puffed up, or egotistical. It is not rude. And that word rude can also mean unseemly, unpleasant, unbecoming, ugly, indecent in manner. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. And if we flip over to Philippians 4 and verse 8, it talks about whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, whatever is noble. Think on things as things. I had a pastor friend of mine who used to tell me all the time, believe the best about people. They may prove you wrong, but choose to believe the best about people. And I believe this is the heart of love. And this is the heart of operating in prophecy is that we seek to believe the best about people. We seek to understand something that was spoken over them long Long before they ever came to be. I also want to um, point out that I've spent five years. I've been reading through the Gospels diligently. I'm teaching in the book of Mark right now, verse by verse, reading through the book of Mark. I did Matthew last year. I began in 2013. I spent a year in Matthew, a year in Mark, a year in Luke, and a year in John. And I spent five years reading the Gospels. And I never once saw Jesus expose someone's sin that was not already evident. So someone who came to him who was bound by sin and therefore afflicted, he would forgive their sin, but he would not expose it. Hear that? He would forgive their sin, but not expose it. The only people whose sin was exposed were those who were flagrantly sinning against God, the Father, and opposing God. And those were the religious people the Pharisees, and he publicly admonished them to change their mind. We'll get to that in just a moment. So this kind of love does not rejoice in sin, but rather in God's truth. It can mean to see someone, that, tr- that word truth can mean an unveiled reality. An unveiled reality. In other words, that we can choose to see people as they were originally created by God to be, not by what they're marked by sin to be. An unveiled reality. Love will unveil or unmask who they really are. And then we become a mirror to show them how God sees them. That's what the heart of prophecy is. It says it bears all things. All things are unified, unity, and oneness. That word, all things, means unified, unity, and oneness. It bears everything as one body. It believes and trusts all things. There's that word again. Unified, being one. So I bear the things of others as if it were my own. I believe and trust for the things of others as if it were my own. I hope and expect and earnestly desire. It's an absolute statement, meaning I abide in it or with as if it is my own. I remain under 
It endures all things. I remain under the pressure and persevere and I don't give up as if I'm contending for myself with regard to others. That's this kind of love. So what does edification mean? Well, edification in our English language, as we understand it from the Oxford English Dictionary, is instruction or improvement of a person morally or intellectually. So I'm going to build them up. I'm going to bring them up. I'm going to edify them. I'm going to give them guidance with this word. And it's a building up toward God's best for them. Remember back here that it said that this love is in reference to God's love, it's his willful direction towards man, and it involves doing what he knows is best for the individual. Okay? So that's the building upward. It will empower them. It will equip them. It will be an upward call toward God for them. And when we build up a house, think about this. When we build up a house, if you build up a house, you build a structure that's secure, that's sound, that has a solid foundation, that becomes a shelter for people. And Paul says that we give these words of edification to build up the body of Christ in unity and faith and oneness towards Jesus Christ. So he's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. He's the capstone. Remember? He's the foundation. And everything we build upon that foundation is a quality of him. Then there's this word encouragement. And in the edification in the Greek does mean literally to build up. And then there's this word encouragement or exhortation. Encouragement can mean the act of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. You can inspire them, motivate them, stimulate them, fortify them, support them, boost them. You can even persuade them, cheer them, give them a pep talk, um, prompt them, spur them, give them an incentive or a motive to move forward, support them, back them, promote them. Nurture them, cultivate them, help them, assist them. These are the the, the context of the words. In the Greek, it literally means to strengthen, to put courage or boldness into, establishing them in faith. It can be an admonition. And an admonition, I used to say this about exhortation because exhortation happens to be one of my motivational gifts. And it's that word encouragement, and it means to literally put courage into or a boldness into. It is the opposite of tribulation and suffering, and it implies some sort of comforting action. But it can also mean like this cautionary warning word or a call to change course or direction, an admonition. And I used to say exhortation is like, a push in the right direction. Think of someone in a boat and you're standing on the shore and you see where they need to go, but they don't quite see it. And so you give them a push to get them started in that direction. And then you tell them, okay, row right, row left, row right, row left, row right, row left, right? To give them, I think about um, like sailing regattas. 
You've got the one guy standing at the back of the boat looking at where they're going, and he is steering the boat in the direction it needs to go, and then he is calling to the team the direction it needs to go. You know, he's saying heave, jib. He's saying all these words to get them to to move the sails, to change the direction of what when they need to turn, he wants all the wind to go one way, right? And push them around the turn. And if he if he's good at what he does, they'll catch the wind and it'll carry them faster than any of the other boats. They all have the same wind. They all have this we all have the same spirit. They all have the same wind. Every boat in the race has the same wind available to it. But it's how that wind is brought into that community on that boat that becomes their advantage, that becomes a profit to them. See, we all have these gifts of the Spirit available to us. But if we sit in isolation alone and are never a part of a community, we don't experience the full benefit. It's much harder to do all those things on a boat by yourself than it is to have a team with you, a community around you who is helping you pursue the goal that you've been called toward. As we're talking about this today, I feel like this is an appropriate place to stop, and we'll talk about comfort tomorrow, and then we'll get into what I believe God wants us to hear about hearing His voice, about what prophecy should produce in our lives, and we'll begin to work towards wrapping up this series on Words in Due Season next week. So this is Michelle, and I'm so grateful that you've tuned in with us today. I'm so honored that you've been walking with us here at Blooming Inspired Network. Don't forget, Michelle Terman will be back next week with a fresh word with the Redeem Rebel podcast at 4 o'clock p.m. on Monday. And we've got our Bible study coming up again on Saturday. I'm going to leave the registration for our January retreat open through Friday this week, through Friday. That's January the 4th. If I do not get three more registrations, we're going to have to cancel that event because I just don't have enough to um, meet the, the, the expenses that are required to pull the event off. So if you want to attend, if you've been thinking about attending our prophetic retreat January 17th through the 19th in North Richland Hills, Texas, we would love to have you join us. Go to bloominginspirednetwork.com, click the events tab. And select the January 17th through 19th event. Select the register button below the picture. And that'll take you to a registration page. If you have any problems with that, you, you can contact us at facebook.com forward slash Blooming Inspired. At Blooming Inspired on Instagram. At Bloom Inspired Net on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. If you've got questions, if you would like to reach out and learn more about Blooming Inspired Network, be sure to check out everything under the About tab on the website. You can also email me, admin at bloominginspirednetwork.com. would love to hear from you there. And I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray and encourage and build you up in whatever way I can. I would love to come alongside of you, help you embrace your identity, encourage you to discover what you're passionate about, equip you for your purpose, your God-given purpose, and empower you to walk out His calling in your life. And so if that resonates with you, reach out. 
Let's connect. Let's find out what I can do to encourage, build you up, lift you up, and what we at the ministry can do. I've got a, 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 I'm building a team of women and I'm building a ministry here. We're pursuing nonprofit status with the government and um, we're building a board of directors. And so we're in process in a lot of ways, but we're here for you. And we would love to know how we can encourage you, build you up, and equip you. If this has been a blessing to you, share it with your friends. Share it with the people who follow you on Twitter. Share it with your friends on Instagram and Facebook. I would love to get the word out about what we're doing at Blooming Inspired Network. And I appreciate those of you who have already come alongside of us and begun to share and begun to encourage. It is a blessing and a joy to serve you in this way. So I want to leave you with what I always remind you, which is blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your lives blooming alive. You have been listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast on Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. This show airs Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time, To learn more about this podcast, its network, or the ministry of Blooming Inspired Network, please visit bloominginspirednetwork.com and select the podcast link at the top of the page. Thank you for listening.